be able to, to deal uh, with uh, these divisions and uh, these in Corinth that they were misusing the gifts that God had gave them and they were working against one another instead of working with each other for the cause of Christ. And as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, Paul addresses uh, what would be really, uh, he addresses what would really be the fruit of, of the, this type of uh, dysfunction and sin amongst God's people. When he says there that it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife, and that you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he has done this deed, might be taken away from among you. For indeed, as absent in the body, the present and spirit have already uh, have already judged as though I were present him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Now, oftentimes we read this text, and the focus is often always on, on discipline, on church discipline, and on, on the sexual immorality that is taking place there. But before we can even begin to understand church discipline, we need to understand discipline in and of itself. And understand what is the purpose of discipline. Uh, why is it there? Uh, what is it for? Uh, why is God using it? Um, and, and, and what is the end result of discipline? Discipline in and of itself. Because the Christian life, it, the Christian life in and of itself requires discipline. Uh, you must be disciplined, and there's a, and there's a spin on the word because there's discipline in, in, in terms of keeping oneself focused, and then there's discipline in terms of the consequence of punishment of disobedience. Uh, both are involved in the Christian life. Now, in this context, where Paul is mentioning to these here at, uh, at Corinth, he said this is something that has been long, this was taught long before to the Jews. Matter of fact, if we go back to the book of Leviticus, in Leviticus chapter uh, 18, and I'll pick up reading in verse 6, the Bible says, None of you shall approach anyone who is near of kin to him to uncover his nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. Uh, the nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father, or the daughter of your mother, whether born at home or elsewhere, the nakedness you shall not uncover. The nakedness of your son's daughter, or your daughter's daughter, their nakedness shall not, you shall not uncover, for theirs is your own nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife's daughter, begotten of your father, she is your sister. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister. She is near kin to your father. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is the near kin to your mother. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. You shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover uh, the, the nakedness of your... You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter, nor shall you take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover the nakedness. They are near akin to her. It is wickedness. Nor shall you take a woman as a rival to her sister to uncover her nakedness while the other is alive. 
You shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is in the customary impurity. Moreover, you shall not lie carnality with your neighbor's wife or defile yourself with her, and you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire of Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Now, what is he saying? Now, it's also known as the book of Leviticus that is the handbook of holiness and is teaching God's people how to be consecrated and set apart. And uh, Paul is, 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 is speaking in regard to the, this letter. He has written this to the congregation in Corinth and it's also to the leaders there. And he said, you are well versed in the law of God, God's will. And you know how he wants you to conduct yourselves in a way of purity and, and holiness. And he's saying that, uh, and, when you, and when you read Leviticus, he's talking about also how carnality in and of itself can creep in and cause conflict and issues amongst God's people. Uh, when, when, when we're not being focused on those things that are spiritual. And, and, and then he's saying there, such things that are taking place, he said it's actually reported that there is sexual morality among you. Such immorality is not even named amongst the Gentiles. So not only are you, are you doing this thing, you're doing it with great zeal. Great zeal, you're doing it as if there's no rule against it at all. And the problem with that is this, and that comes back to discipline. If we were to look at the definition of the word discipline, the definition is training that corrects or molds or perfects the mental faculties of moral character. That is, training that corrects, molds, or perfects the mental faculties of moral character. It is control gained by enforcing obedience or order. And it is to train and to, or, or develop by instruction or exercise, especially in self-control. So Paul is saying God has given his word, and he's given his word to instruct us and to help us to develop what is known as self-control or self-discipline. What is self-discipline? Self-discipline is that which uh, you, you, you get yourself in such a mold. Uh, like it says, uh, you've been corrected, you've been perfected, and you've trained your mind in such a way that it becomes second nature to function in this way in accordance with the rules in which you have, in which you have uh, digested, studied, and devoted yourself to. Self-discipline is also being able to carry out a certain order of actions that will lead you to a greater goal despite your uh, surroundings. Does anybody know what that means? So no matter, so the thing is you have a set of instructions. And your set of instructions will benefit you in every situation as long as you stick to the instructions. <laughs> now those instructions are your instructions regardless of where you are, who you're around, or who you're with. Those are your instructions. And those instructions are for your benefit and your benefit alone. Bible tells us, because when it's for your benefit, it will benefit others, but the Bible tells us that, that God's, God's word, his, his, his commands are not burdensome. As a matter of fact, his word was given to lift burdens off of his people, to lift unnecessary burdens, Unnecessary burdens that come from saying and doing and going places that we should not. And putting ourselves in situations that we don't belong. But that comes with training. It comes with training and keeping our minds focused on the word of God. In Leviticus, the Jewish people had been taught always to not uncover the nakedness of your mother. Let the, you, don't, you don't let those, 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 those carnal desires come in and separate the family. 
You don't let those desires trump God's desires for his family. God's desire for his family is for them to be unified in love and not torn apart by our base nature. And when I say base nature, our base nature is one that only cares for self, only looks out for self, only looks to pleasure self, only looks to benefit self. So if, God, if God's people are to be unified, they must drive out the temptation to focus more on self than on everyone else. These things should be named amongst God's people. So when we read about this sexual immorality, what that is, that's the fruit of a much deeper root. And the deeper root of that particular sin is a lack of discipline. Think about how many things. See, because they've been given all these gifts here. And the first Corinthians chapter 12 tells them they've been given many gifts for God's purpose. But see, they're not able to use them for that singular purpose because of a lack of discipline. Anybody that's ever played on any kind of team, the team doesn't win and it doesn't function well unless everybody functions within their role and they're disciplined in that particular role. If I am the point guard, that's what I do. If I'm the center, that's what I do. If I'm the forward, that's what I do. And when you put all those individual roles together, we get a very powerful team. But if we let uh, 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 our own jealousy seep in, or covetousness, or our own insecurity seep in, and we start to look at another's role greater than our role, then it's like, I, 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 I see mine, but I want to do his too. And then from that immorality comes unfaithfulness. We become unfaithful. What do we become unfaithful to? God's will and God's role that he's given each one of us. Does that make sense to anybody? So, so uh, it, it, when we're looking at this, it's, it, it, and it's going to defile a lack of discipline in, in God's word and obedience to God's word will defile the church. It will tear it apart. It will rip it down. It will not be able to function as the family God wants it to function at. Even when we talk about our families that we have, our, our families will not function properly if everyone does not function in their proper role. I understand when you read uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3 that God has given everybody a role and all are in submission to Christ. And we've talked about God's order. And the fact of the matter is that God looks at man and woman and they are the same in his sight in terms of his creation, but they have different roles. And if a family is to be functional, everybody must function in that role and everyone in submission to Christ Jesus. But now how do I become disciplined like that, Brother Johnson? The discipline, well, if you look at what Paul told Timothy in, in, in 1 Timothy 4, he tells him that until I come, give yourself to prayer, to the reading of Scripture, to the study of Scripture, to the application of Scripture, to the to, to, to talking and communicating with God and applying those principles and showing the love of God one to another. And if you continue to do something, if you continue to do something over and over again, it becomes part of your practice. It becomes part of your mindset. It becomes the way you deal with situations. Matter of fact, if we go back uh, to, uh, to reading it, it says, and the, and the way we do this is by, uh, and he picks up, Paul says that, that, that you have to understand that when this immorality comes about, this immorality has already been judged. This unfaithfulness has already been judged. This lack of discipline has already been judged. And there is only one consequence for this disobedience. 
And that's death. Spiritual death. There, there is never a different result. There's no other result that will arise from disobedience other than death. Does that make sense to anybody? And that's supposed to help us, that's supposed to help us, uh, uh, not scare us, but it's supposed to help us. That's the other side of discipline. The other side of discipline is to punish or penalize for the sake of enforcing obedience or perfecting moral character. So if you were to go with me over here to uh, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, again reading here, notice what it says, and I'll pick up in verse verse 3. It says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not resisted to the bloodshed, striving against sin. You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and encourages every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there from a father whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of holiness. No, now, now no chastening seems no chastening seems joy, to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now notice what God is saying. He's not, he's not selling you a bill of goods. He's saying that no chastening and no discipline is fun. It's great for the moment. But it's beneficial in the long run. And it's very important that we understand, and even if in your Bibles you underline that, that, that no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields peaceable, the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Paul is saying, listen, in God's church amongst the people, there needs to be the peaceable fruit of righteousness. There needs to be joy. There needs to be people working together. Not backbiting, undercutting, and above all, not disrespecting God. And notice, it says that your earthly father disciplined you, and when he did, they disciplined you, you learned to respect them. And see, when we have respect for God, we become a more disciplined people. When we have a greater respect and a greater trust in God, we become a more disciplined people. See, think about uh, uh, all the things, and I'm talking about now, in 1 Corinthians, it's talking about God saying, I gave you gifts, and there's something I want you to do with your gifts, but because you of the lack of discipline and lack of respect for me, you're using your gifts improperly, and you're defiling the church rather than lifting up and edifying the church and all those who you come in contact with. Now think about the different goals in your life, because see, discipline also means to reach a higher set of goals. It is, it is, it is a direct instruction that leads to a higher set of goals, that calling of Christ. Think about how many things in your life that you set out to do based on the, goal, the, 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 the gift that God has given you. Think how many things you started and not finished. 
Now, I'm not talking about stuff you just started out of curiosity. I'm talking about things you started that was based on a, a gift that you have and a direction God wanted you to go in. But as soon as you started to move in that direction, then adversity set in. Anxiety set in, and it caused you to go astray. Discipline, when you're disciplined, you're saying, this is the goal. This is the goal God has set for me. God wants me to be faithful. God wants me to be loving. God wants me to be peaceful. He wants me to be righteous. And if this is what he wants, it doesn't matter what anybody else has to say. Does that make sense to anybody? God wants his people to be folks who are committed. See, without discipline, you can't know commitment. Because guess what? When you get into something and you, when you give yourself to do a certain work or put forth to achieve a certain goal, not every part of it is going to be blue skies and rainbows. And not everybody in it with you is going to be enthusiastic and happy. But guess what? You have to keep to the goal anyway. Because you've committed yourself above all to Christ Jesus. And when we, when we, and when we live this life, see, we live this life and we draw all joy, all comfort, and all satisfaction from God in Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, our assignment is one of our class, uh, uh, for the new, of our, our, new, our new Christian class, is to go through Ephesians chapter 1 and write down all the in him statements. Realize all the things that you have in him. And when you realize the satisfaction that you have in Christ, there's no need to go astray. That is, unless what he's offering isn't enough. Or what he's offering isn't what you want right now. And you have to be willing to look at yourself and say, do I really want what God is offering me? And do I want it in the way that he is offering it to me? Am I willing to be patient with his way? Am I willing to be on his time? Do I believe that he will deliver just as he said he would? Because if I believe that, then I'll be focused. I'll be committed. And I won't find myself committing spiritual infidelity. I won't find myself trying to seek. Uh, uh, I won't find myself trying to trying to seek a short term, a short term goal in lieu of God's long term goal for my life. I believe that everything I do will be peaceful and it will be right. And then I also understand that when I go, because when we read 1 Corinthians 5, people see that as very harsh, Brother Rubio. They see it as very harsh. They say, you mean because this guy, because the problem was he had his, he had his, uh, he, he had his own, his, his stepmother. And the problem was, boy, listen, I mean, in your own house, I mean, you could have gone, it's a whole It's a whole city, a whole church, all these other people that you want to sit and, 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 and feast on and lust after your own. That's, that's, that's telling you something. That there's a problem, there's something dysfunctional, there's something off in the relationship. There's something because of a lack of discipline that caused that relationship to be skewed. Do you understand that? And we see that also in our families. See, there's a problem. There's a problem when, 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 when a mother is sitting and smoking weed with a daughter. There's a problem 
when a 15-year-old son go out drinking with his dad. That's a problem. Because we're not respecting the structure and the discipline. We're not being disciplined to the structure that God has set forth for the family. There's a problem when parents are seeking to be more, uh, are seeking to be more of a best friend to the child than a parent. That's a problem. There's a problem when parents think that discipline is only yelling and screaming and being and being uh, 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 very harsh. That's a problem. Because when discipline comes forth, there must be an explanation in it. This is happening because. Here's why this is taking place. There's a problem when you're giving discipline, but at the same time, contradicting your own discipline. When you're saying, do as I say, not as I do, that's a problem. And what you'll do is you'll provoke the children to wrath. To the point where they'll throw up their hands. Mama tell me not to do it but break my neck if I say something about her doing it. Or if I imitate what she's doing. There's a problem. There's a lack of discipline. And the family becomes unhealthy. And, 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 and we don't have any structure. Because when there's no discipline, there's no structure. And you must have structure. There's a problem when a, parent, when a child can put a parent off the other parent. That's a problem. That's a problem when only half the family sees God's word and God's will as the first and last word. That's a problem. Because the child becomes confused. Mama says God's word is right. Mama says worship is right. But daddy says different. That might not come out of daddy's mouth. But it's shown in daddy's actions. It's time out. Listen, listen y'all. It's, it's time out. And this might be an antiquated. This might be an antiquated statement. But see, there was a time when, when families who belonged to the Lord would come to worship together. They used to say those that pray together stay together. There's a problem when, there's a problem when if mama doesn't come to worship, then nobody does. That's inexcusable. And it's a sin. Right? There's a problem if daddy didn't come and nobody shows up. And guess who the losers are? The children are the losers. That's inexcusable. That's being unfaithful. That's that's being unfaithful. That's 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 being that's 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 that's, that's committing. And, and you see the, the immorality in this because what we see here is this boy sleeping with his 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 his, his He's sleeping with his, his stepmother, but what we're seeing there is, is when we're drawn from our spiritual focus and drawn to our carnal focus, we leave worshiping God and start to worship ourselves. And that will cause division amongst God's people. Huh? Because people will be trying to lift themselves up rather than depending on God to lift them up. There's a problem when we have that in the church. And so then, so then Paul says, listen, listen. Paul says simply, look, this type of behavior has already been judged. This has already been judged. And he says, such as this, those who won't respond to God's word and his correction, because the thing is, you're going to find out in Hebrews 6, he said, you've got to go to them. But see, you've become so puffed up that you know this is taking place, and you look the other way. 
Since when do we, do we know these things are taking place? And simply look the other way. Don't say, don't do it. That's them. No, we have a responsibility to give encouragement, to remind people of what the word says, and to wake up and come back to the instruction, to be disciplined. But at the same time, when we come to one another, we have to be receptive of each other. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you for putting me back on the right track. So that we can be disciplined. Does that make sense? And we have to start to look at discipline as beneficial. Instead of detrimental. I hear too many people say, oh, you just shouldn't be so hard on Hard on them. Hard on them. I'm not being hard. Yeah. I'm being honest with them. I'm being honest with them. And then I cannot be, I cannot be distracted by how cute they may be. Huh? How many of us get caught up in how cute the child is? And it just hurt me to my heart to be like that toward that child. <laughs> Don't you understand by correcting them now? You prepare them better for the future. By correcting them now, you teach them that they're not cute enough, that being cute will not keep you from failing in life. You teach them that just because you're cute, that won't always open doors for you in life. The world won't always stop for you in life. The world won't revolve around you just because you're precious. There's more to this world than just what you look like. There's something called content of character. And you have to be more than just who you are on the outside. Our children shouldn't be growing up depending on what they look like to get them through life. Because I, I don't care how cute you may think you are. There's at least three or four more that got you beat. <laughs> so instead, it's important to build the inner man, the character that God desires. You read in you read in Peter how he wants his women to be dressed. He says, I don't want my women walking around defining themselves by braided hair and flashy jewelry and clothes. I don't want them defined by that. I want them dressed in, in the inner adornment, the quiet spirit of a woman. I don't want them out there always trying to uh, trying to announce uh, announce their coming without ever opening their mouth by the way that they're dressed. I don't want my women doing that. I don't want my sisters doing that because it leads to lust. It leads to something else. It doesn't lead to love. Huh? It leads to immorality. I don't want my daughters dressing themselves according to the standards of this world. I want them disciplined in my word. I want them trusting what I say. And when I say they're beautiful, when I say that they're, that they're, that they're more precious than, 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 than diamonds, that's what I mean. And I need my parents who I gave them to to keep instructing them in my way. Keep telling them that it's only what God says that matters. Because God accepts you, you don't need the acceptance of no one else. Because God approves of you, you don't need the approval of everyone else. I need you to be faithful to my word. 
and keep practicing my will. I need my sons to learn to look at a woman not for the purposes of lust. I need her. I need them to learn to not objectify that woman. I need them to look at her and see her as a co-heir in Christ Jesus. As a helper, someone who will work with them, someone who will encourage, one who will help to get to glory together. I need her, 1 Corinthians 11, to be seen as the glory of man. I need her. To, son, I need you to see her as that first. I need you to see her as a faithful woman in God. That ought to be your first criteria, son. Huh? Not that smile, not that skirt, not that blouse, not the pretty toes. You need to be focused <laughs> on what your role is. Your role, son, is to leave you. In Proverbs chapter 30, in Proverbs chapter 31, you see that. Where, it, it, where, where she says that, the mule, talking to Solomon, the mule, listen, understand, it is not for you to give your strength to women. To be chasing around after them. You must be sober. You must speak for righteousness. You must speak for the motherless. You must speak for the fatherless. You must be sober and know what your responsibility is before God. Huh? But when you stray from that, you commit immorality. Because immorality is not just sexual. This is a way of showing that because in, in, in first Corinthians, later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 9, it talks about being one with Christ. And when you become one with Christ, then you're one with him. You're bound to him. You're in an intimate relationship with Christ. And anytime you go outside of that, that's adultery. And you connect yourself with someone else. Stay in my purpose. Stay in my way. Does it make sense to anybody? But it takes discipline. The Bible says, your word. Have I hid it in my heart that I might not sin against you? How can the young secure their hearts? By hiding God's word within. So then Paul, uh, then Paul says, listen, see, when you, you got this kind of thing going on, and he says, he says, you know what? You guys are puffed up, and what you're doing, you're putting your worldly wisdom, your worldly wisdom before God's wisdom. And when we, you know, we, you know what it is when we put our worldly wisdom before God's wisdom? When we talk about, well, I don't see nothing wrong with it. Ain't nothing wrong. I don't see nothing wrong. Well, who made you the authority? Because it's not whether you see something wrong with it. It is what God, what does God have to say about it that matters? Sometimes what we see as harsh is actually the most helpful course of action. Huh? And we got to learn, what do we learn about 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and how that love, that love is about the affections of God and about doing what's best for a person at all times. So if I'm going to do what's best, sometimes, guess what? I got to make that hard stand. But when I make a hard, when I'm talking about a hard stand, I'm not talking about dropping a fist of iron. What I'm talking about is taking a stand with God on his word, in his way, and trusting that he'll bring forth what he desires from that situation. It's saying, I shall not be moved. Though the tempest rages, I shall not be moved. Though all hail assail, I shall not be moved. 
just like that tree that's planted by the water, I shall not be moved. Psalm 1 says, I will meditate on God's word all day and night. That's about discipline. I will discipline myself to keep his word in my mind and in my mouth day and night. In Joshua chapter 1, what did he tell her? If you just keep your, keep, 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 keep straight. Don't go to the right, don't go to the left. Be strong and courageous because it takes courage and it takes strength to be disciplined. He says, then you'll be successful. But here's the thing. Do you see the success that God will bring? Do you compare his success to the success that you desire? And do you, you look at his, his success, you look at your success, and do you see, for some reason, does his success seem to pale in your sight? If it does, that says there's something wrong with your heart. And you need to get back focused on God's will. Does that make sense to anybody? So, 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 so the thing is, I, I got to look at, uh, when, when it's time to set these uh, children and, and, and give them discipline, I need to give them discipline instead of making excuses. I need to be more disciplined instead of making excuses. Huh? How long? How long? How long? You won't let that exercise equipment <laughs> be a co then somebody say, well, won't you give it away? Well, no, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. No, I mean, I'm going to use it for what it's intended. How long? How long? Huh? You could have lost that weight by now. Huh? It could have been gone, right? But you said it, well, I'm, 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 I'm going to get down there. I'm going to get down there. Right? Huh? And with, with every excuse, the waist gets a little bigger. Huh? How many of you, how many of you are going to start out, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to discipline myself to exercise? What if Paul said, I buffet my body, I buffet my body, bring it under submission that I might not be disqualified. In order for you to compete, you have to get your body in order. Is any, any athlete in here, matter of fact, I don't even need an athlete. Anybody in here who has accomplished in anything, it took discipline for you to do it. Huh? It took discipline for you to stay in school. It took discipline for you to stay in that, 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 uh, that, that extra learning program, that continuing education program. It took discipline for you to, for you to, keep, to keep going uh, on that track that you know that, 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 that's in accordance with God's will and, and the gift that he gave you. It, can, it takes discipline. Amen. And the funny thing, more of us can be more disciplined when it comes to getting these degrees than when it comes to being the best kind of Christian God will want you to be. Huh? People will be sick and dying and all that kind of stuff. But they'll study and get in class and take their test. Huh? Barely able to walk on, that, on, on one leg, but they'll drag in there and catch that mule on Monday. Huh? But come Sunday, well, I'm just so tired, Brother Josh. I just really couldn't even make it. I'm just four more hours. Ha, ha, ha. 
you played that, you, you, you played that PlayStation. That's got, hey, 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 that's got to stop. We're putting too much time into these games fully to the neglect of our spiritual growth and well being. Huh? I, look, I've got a game system. I do. I gotta blow the dust off of it to find it. I, I got it with the little thing where you can stand in the middle of the room and move around and all that kind of stuff. I ain't never got time to do it though. You know, we've been doing other things, right? Plus, I'm bored. I'm bored. Not to say that you can't be bored and have fun every now and then. And sometimes it's because we use that as we use it as an escape. But what our escape should be is praying to God, studying His Word, being one with our families, joining with our families, being bound together in love through Christ Jesus. That's what we should be using that time to do. Hmm? It, 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 it's not okay. So when we're doing those things to the neglect of our spiritual well-being, we're committing immorality. And what, is, and what did Paul say? When you go to them, when you go to them, he says, he says, he says, uh, you have to deliver it. Once you go to somebody with the word of God, right? And you try to tell them, you try to teach them, you try to tell them, you try to teach them. At some point, after you've given them the instruction, you've got to step back. And it says, hand such a person over to Satan. And people say, that's so harsh. How can you hand somebody over to the devil, Brother Johnson? They're already in the devil's hand. And they've said this is where they want to be. So at that point, you have to step back and let them, the word, and God's will work that thing out. Huh? That's if you want, that's if you want to see them grow and get past where they are. That's the whole purpose of the prodigal son. Get out of the way. Stop getting in the way, making excuses and all that. Well, it's not that bad. Because how many times do I hear people come and say, well, Johnson, they said all this kind of stuff. They say, okay then, here's what we need to do. Well, it's not that bad. But do I have to go to that extent? Yeah, it's that bad and it's that serious if you're sitting and complaining about it this much. If it's affected the way you're living your life, if you can't focus God and, and do what God would have you to do, yes, it's that serious. And some discipline needs to step in. And discipline starts with me. Discipline starts with you. You want to see discipline? Begin with you. You want to see your children grow in the Word? You grow in the Word. You want to see your children be more faithful to the Lord? You become more faithful to the Lord. You want to see them study? You study. You want to see them treat people better? You treat people better. Huh? You want to see them be more Christ-like? You be more Christ-like. And don't worry about trying to change, don't worry about trying to, trying to make them flip, because they've had all this time to see you acting a fool. Now it's going to take some time for them to realize this is real, this is God's will, and guess what? I need to imitate that as well. Does that make sense to anybody? If God's people are to be united, it's going to take some discipline. 
It's going to take discipline of meeting. I'm going to stay focused on God's word and his will, regardless of what's going on around me. And, and it's going to take God's discipline. When God's discipline comes in, you've got to get out of the way and let God do what he's going to do. But we're just talking about discipline. Discipline begins with disciplining myself. My attitudes and my actions. Keeping them along uh, God's, God's will and God's way. And then letting the fruit, the peaceable righteousness, infect those who are around me. That's how you bring about faithfulness. God calls all to be faithful. And he calls all, all to be disciplined. Be disciplined to his word. He calls and he says, if you want to become a Christian, then hear his word, believe what he said. Be baptized for mission. He says, confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Not just with your mouth, but in your day-to-day -day life. How you live, confessing. So it doesn't just start and stop there. In everything you do every day, keep confessing him. And then, and, and then you got to be baptized for remission of sins. Have all your sins washed away and let God put his deposit in you, his Holy Spirit, which is his promise. He said, I put it in you, I'm coming back for it. Become a Christian and a Christian only. Walk in the newness of life and be saved from the coming end of the world that Jesus is coming back. Christians, if you have not, Christians, if, if, if you haven't been living, living this structure that you should, or getting in the way of God's discipline, when he comes in and try to correct loved ones. Because see, sometimes God comes and he's going to correct what we call loved ones. And guess what we do? We get in the way and we enable. We get in the way of God doing what he needs to do. You keep on doing that. And you mess around and get a little bit of what they're going to get. So remember, God loves them more than you ever will. And God knows them better than you ever will. And he has their best interest in mind at all times. So what he does will always be right. Let us be faithful. Let us trust God. If you haven't been, then repent of that sin. Ask the church to pray with you. Uh, you have that opportunity. If you're subject to the same reason to come, I'll be saying this